Hello and welcome to Made Education Matters with Matt. Matt, my name is Matt. And I'm Matt too. We are in an emergency situation here. Uh-oh. What's going on? We are after the May 10th deadline to do public hearings because you know what we're doing today? Uh, well, what? Previewing public hearings. No one told me this. After May 10th. Oh my goodness. So we are in special post-snap territory here where the public <laughs> hearings just keep going regardless of whatever nonsense happened before. Yeah, I know I know the leadership. They've, they've talked up there at Augusta with the House and the Senate, all the leadership folks and all the leaders of the committees have come together. And they've said, you got to get this stuff done. Do it. You got to get it done because we are running out of time. So make it snappy. Oh, nice. Thank you. Well done. Thank you very much for you following along with our snap jokes. We, oh God. Or shaking your head at our snap jokes. Whatever. Either way, a reaction is yeah. all we well, ask for you. in direction. It's just a reaction. Thank it still works. Uh, we're going to start with... They, they all, these have already uh, moved around already mm-hmm. because they are in kind of like rush process here at the end. So they've already moved this one by the time I printed the schedule uh, late last week. We're going to start with LD 1641, which is an act to strengthen the school transportation workforce, parentheses, after deadline. After the deadline. Uh, this one got moved to the morning of the 13th, which as we record this, uh, it is actually happening right now. Yep. Or potentially maybe over. Already happened. Maybe someone walked in and said, you're going to do this, and the committee said, okay. So, or they walked in and the committee said, <laughs> hell no. Is that how that works? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, fine. So this one was presented by Senator Herbig of Waldo. And basically, the summary says this bill allows public school bus drivers to collect unemployment benefits over the summer. It also creates a non-lapsing fund to award grants to school administrative units for training for school bus drivers between academic years. Right. Those are great ideas. We have a massive shortage oh, of bus drivers. It is terrible across the state. It, um, it, everywhere you go, you're looking for for qualified certified bus drivers to do this and you can't it's hard to find it's really not even the state this is the country that's true that is that is that is true it's everywhere but this is an option to try to get uh try to help get some bus drivers yeah so they stay bus drivers right and so they it is it is a it is a very difficult job they've they've had a lot more requirements put onto them they don't just drive the bus anymore they're actually an extension of the school, and so they have a lot of responsibilities that they, you know, maybe technically didn't have. I'm thinking back to the days of. Have you ever seen the movie Billy Madison? Recent pop culture reference. Right, Billy Madison. So that was back in '96, '95-ish, something around there, 1995-ish, right around there. Before my children were born, who are now college graduates. Okay, so pre-snap. Um, but in that, Chris Farley, beloved late Chris Farley, he plays a school bus driver. And he just yells at people all the time, and he just gets very angry. Well, that, that's not the way the bus drivers. Whoever the what, what what's the Simpsons bus driver's name? Uh, More current pop culture. I don't remember what, anyway. the, what his name is either. But maybe um, not. Uh, that's not the typical bus driver anymore. It's got they, they have more responsibilities than just getting to and fro. So finding high quality bus drivers is really challenging, especially for those who will stay around. I know districts are actually doing things like signing bonuses. They are trying things, all whatever kind of thing, to attract people to come and be a school bus driver. Never seen Billy Madison, and I've never seen The Simpsons. Well, I, I, I just don't know if I can continue this podcast anymore. 
But the we, Simpsons is one I, I really find hard to believe you've never seen because it's been on. For, it's been on for over twenty, over thirty years. Thirty now. years, yes. I was going to say. Well, I still think the nineties are ten years ago. So fair. <laughs> you know, it still feels that way. I, the whole two thousands, I just kind of missed. Um, but I never watched The Simpsons because I was trying to educate myself on like flavors of potato chips. Like oh, but there's only one kind of flavor. There's just there's potato chip flavor. I think it's spicy dill pickle flavor. They have spicy dill pickle chips? They do have spicy dill pickle chips. Wow. I'll have to try some spicy dill pickle chips at some point. For all of you listening, please don't get pulled over. (laughs) So LD1376 is our next one. Long title. Not put out by Representative Brennan this time. That's a big callback. That was. An act to direct the Department of Education to amend its rules to ensure that physical restraint and seclusion policies are followed for special education students and make biennial reports on the use of physical restraint and seclusion. So oh, four lines there. Four, four lines. I have to, I have to say, th- th- this is this is breaking news for us in this podcast in, in Studio One Shay. Uh, this is breaking news because as we were recording, a, a headline came through on my news my news feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, posted at 10.19 a.m., which was during the last, whatever it was, while we are recording, the use of restraint, seclusion in, in main schools is rising. So this is a timely... Timely. It's, I mean, this this literally just happened. Is it really rising? It, uh, apparently, a new, a new report. A, this wow. is according to the, on the, um, where is this? I don't know. It's on the interweb somewhere. What's, anyway. That must be true then. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. Portland Press Herald. That's a little thing. That's 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 someplace. I've heard of that. Um, a new report released Monday oh, found, uh, this was reported by Kevin Miller, uh, released Monday found, quote, clear and troubling trends in the use of restraint and seclusion in main schools, including the disproportionate use of the potentially harmful techniques on students with disabilities. That's interesting. So what this bill does uh, to go along with that, it... Uh direct schools to make annual reports to the department regarding incidents of physical restraint and seclusion and directs the commissioner to report biennially to the governor and the legislature on data regarding the use of physical restraint and seclusion. As I was reading, there's also parts on how to reduce those incidents. Yeah. Basically. And that, you know, all of our teachers go through a process called safety care training. Yes. Which has, uh, shows about, uh, like safe holds and things. Uh, safe restraints mm-hmm. and knowing that restraints are really a last resort, not a first resort, right. which may have happened, you know, 30 years ago and when Billy Madison and the Simpsons were a natural <laughs> thing. So I think that, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I didn't realize that it had gotten worse since we implemented safety care training. So, so that, that's really interesting to me. According to the report, as reported by the Portland Press Herald, Statewide, the report found that the use of restraint or seclusion has increased from 12,000 incidences in 2014 okay. to more than 20,000 in 2018. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's that's doing Even with some all this new training. That's o- over 8,000 more instances in four years. So I'm hoping some of this results of this uh, reporting procedures would be ways to help not just reduce those incidences, but try to uh, get at some of the reasons behind it. The, the, the reason, why, these, yeah. why kids are getting a little more feisty. Not, yeah. Not to put make it light of it, but that's just the word that came to mind. Sure. Like, no, no, no. That, but it's, that's happening. So how do we attack that more with like different types of social emotional learning skills and how do we 
how do we help kids before it even gets to right the, the positive behavioral intervention service right. or, P, or systems or PBIS as as as, as our acronyms call it. Um, but yeah, that's that is that is there's some startling statistics there, some startling numbers, and I'm glad that the uh, the commission and the the committee and the departments are looking into this more of, of how we can support our learners and create those real positive learning environments to, like you said, prevent things instead of be more preventative focused than be um, reactive. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's that's what comes of, comes of this. Me as well. Let's go to the next one. LD sixteen oh seven, an act to create the Department of Early Care and Learning. Create a department. It's a new department. It's a cabinet level department. I, I remember when back in the day when they created the Department of Homeland Security. That wasn't a thing for a while, for a long while. And then in the early two thousands, we then created the Department of Homeland Security. Now it's just part. Now it's just who we are. So you know. It's easy to create things in the department, in the, in the government. It's not so hard to take them away, though, once they're there. So here's something that I found interesting. Okay. This is a concept draft. Yes. That goes on for six pages. I know, it's a right? Hell of a concept. I mean, we all. It's a it, concept, but I pretty much got it fully formed out here. This, this, this blew my mind because every, almost every, if I can remember back. Every time we've seen a concept draft this session, there's like one line. It's been a concept draft. We wanted this. We, we want to know more about this. And it's like well, it's one line. It's one paragraph. It's a complete waste of paper. This is not a. This is a. This is one of the things that I would love to tell like my former students when writing and doing things. Make your first draft like your final draft. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what this is. This is this is making their fir- their draft almost publishable. Because they did publish it. Maybe this. Say uh... <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of those things where you, you know those moments where you say something out loud that you realize, oh yeah, that was completely obvious. It was so Doi. almost publishable that I almost have it in my hands. Wait, I do. <laughs> so exactly. Basically, what this says: this bill proposes to create the Department of Early Care and Learning as a cabinet-level state agency within the executive branch. The department assumes primary responsibility for matters regarding children under six years of age in the state, including the care, health care, and education of the children that are now the responsibility of the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Education. So it's going to create a, a bridge department, in a way, between DHHS and DOE. So that you'll have this one, area where, where this one department is going to fo- kind of focus on the kids. In this particular, you know, range age six years of under six years and under, which also includes kindergarten, for many school districts. Mm-hmm. So then, I think that's why DOE is involved at that point. Yes, they would have to be. Uh, they, they would have to be. Yes. Um, again, six pages of stuff, and talks about a lot of the like the technicalities. How we're gonna how we're gonna make this happen. This is some of the transition. Blotty, uh, blotty, blotty, blotty. Talks about what their what their duties and responsibilities are. When we're talking about duties again. Oh, uh, always okay. goes uh, like A to L. Hashtag uh, duty talk. These are <laughs> these are the powers of the department. So, and it's what, fascinating what the board looks like. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. So I'm going to read some of the the powers of the department. They adopt rules and procedures to carry out department duties and responsibilities. They contract for services. They hire or assign employees and staff. 
they apply for and accept from any other agency, etc., any funds that may be available to carry out the duties and responsibilities. But it's important there, group or corporation, and we've already had a bill what? before us that says we can't do any kind of work with that. I don't know where that is. but The next two are my favorite ones. Yeah. In an adjudicatory... Have trouble you got with it. words. Well, you know, all words are made up. All words are made up. In proceeding conducted by the department, issuing subpoenas to require the attendance and testimony of witnesses. I want to issue subpoenas. <laughs> F. Suing and being sued. That's one of my powers and responsibilities. So this... I can sue you and you can see me. Sue me. You can't even say it right. You can't, you know, you, you messed it's up. Terrible. I'm trying to make a, a, a Bill Barr joke in here about the subpoenas and being, and being oh, but I'm uh, staying away. <laughs> uh, so they talk about the board and who's on the board. And it just keeps going on and on and on. It's like, I guess creating a department's a big thing. Uh, it's, it seems like it. So do you think Dewey's going to be in favor of this? No. Well, I don't know. Nice. <laughs> because I, there, was, there was something I wanted to say. That was exactly ago, my initial response. Right? Um, because if all of this, there's a lot of educational research and pedagogical research out there that supports early childhood and early learning and early intervention and is just keeping the entire early elementary, early learning area, um, early care under the DOE, is that going to be enough to really provide these services for these particular learners and these and all these students. So I like the fact that it's focused on the early care, early learning side, because we need to provide more intervention and more support at the earliest level for our students when they start coming into school. doesn't mean they need to have, quote, unquote, school, but they need intervention and they need support mm -hmm. somehow. Um, and yet, do we really need another department? Do we really need... More. How, how will do they we, work together? Let, let, let me let me go. Let me go away. That 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 is not necessarily typical of me. Do we really need more government? Interesting. Do we? I mean, do we really need that? Or if we were to restructure our existing government, could we do it better with what we already have? And I I don't have the good answer for that. I know. I think that'll be a lot of the discussion. I do too. Is. You know, I like the idea of focusing on just one particular area. Yes, I do too. Right? Because it's only kids six years of age and under. Right. So they get all the support they need rather than being part of something else. And right now, part of two different agencies. Right. Trying to, trying to combine that and make sense for a separate department. Or do you, can you do it as like, like subsections of it? Right. Are they going to be taking money away from the other departments to funnel and put that funding into this new department? Well, some of it you'd have or to. Or are they going to just say, nope, we're going to keep the funding structure the same, and now we're going to create a completely new budget line for this, and we're going to have to fund that fully? I just I just don't know. I think you'd grab some of it from DHHS and the DOE because they will no longer have those responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So some of that goes in there, but they'll obviously have to be more than that one. Right. Uh, it's a, I, I think it's a discussion that will be had that may or may not go through next session or the one after that or the one after that. I, 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 f I foresee, I prognosticate this one uh, gets tabled to next session. They just at, don't have the time to talk about it at this point. As I said what I said there, Yeah. Uh, it was one of those like, right, like you just did. I realized I said something obvious. Yeah. Uh, 
they it may or may not go through at this session or one of the future sessions. Right. It may or may not. Like pretty much every one of these bills. Like every single thing we've ever covered <laughs> in this podcast. So that's fascinating. Uh, let's go to the last one. I do like the fact the that 13th. it's that, that I do like the fact that it's being brought up as, as an option. I, do I think too. that you know all of all of options, whether it's putting all of CDS underneath the umbrella of DOE, keeping it under DHHS, or making its own separate thing, I think that that's a really valuable conversation and to really explore. So we do what's best for those early learners. It's just going to take some time to figure out what that actually means. Yes, it absolutely so that, will. That's where I'm going. The last one of the day on the 13th is LD 1638, which is an act to provide for gubernatorial appointments. Gubernatorial. 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 Uh, to the main charter school committee. After deadline. Yeah. So this one's a special one. So the summary uh, is pretty straightforward. The bill has a lot of crossouts on here. But the summary of this bill changes the appointing authority for four members of the Maine Charter School Commission from the State Board of Education to the governor and increases the terms of those members from three to four years. So previously, or uh, currently in law, I should say, the State Board appoints everyone. All seven members. All seven members. And this would put the um, the majority of the uh, Charter School Commission board members on the, on the head and shoulders of of the committee of, of the commissioner excuse me of the, com- of the commissioner of the governor the governor i don't even know what i'm saying now at this point <laughs> well really it would be the it would be the commissioner's prior recommendations that person because the governor is going to be like well who should i put in i don't know who to put in and well so so here's what it is right now with with the new language you'd have you again it's seven members three members must be members of the state board uh yeah, mem- members of the state board appointed by the state board for three-year terms. The other four are appointed by the governor for four-year terms. Right. So there's some overlap. In appointing members to the commission, which is just language that's just rearranged here, the governor shall give proper consideration to candidates who have experienced in a non-charter public school in the state in one of the following positions, school board member, superintendent, teacher, special ed. Why not curriculum director? Uh, we don't count. No. Uh, so... It's interesting why they're doing this. And I don't know why they're doing I shouldn't say that. I don't know why they're doing this. Uh, this is presented by Senator Shanette of York and co-sponsored by on the committee by Senators Carson and Millett, both Democrats. So currently, if this went through, this would mean that Governor Mills would have the authority to have four seats, a controlling majority, of the main charter school commission. Yeah, the, well, the, well, basically what happened is the entire charter school mission, commission would be blown up as is, and the, the, the board of, state board would have to appoint three, and the governor would appoint four, because there's already seven appointed. And so how are they going to take off those four people from the state board? So I would imagine they'd have to say, we're going to take everyone off and then vote, appoint three people to the board from the state board of education. So there is... Uh, That's what I, would, I, I think. I think so, yeah. It doesn't really say exactly how that... How that works. Especially but. given it would be the first year doing it, I can only see them having to just completely dissolve it and then rebuild it. So I'm trying to figure out why they were doing this as I read this before. Yeah. And I can't really figure it out. Well, I can figure it out, but I can't figure out the long-term version of this one. If you want a, like a Democratic governor in charge of who's on the Charter School Commission, that would probably... 
highlight public schools versus charter schools? It it it's it this this speaks to me of the um, the power of putting putting the education system, especially whatever it is, really back into the hands of the executive branch. Because right now the the state board of education controls all of the charter schools. Mm-hmm. The DOE and the governor really doesn't. Mm-hmm. So this is going to put more of that that controlling aspect of it back to, in my view, my view where it should be, under under the guise of the governor mostly. The governor the governor's then agenda can then drive who's in there depending on their terms. But if but it, yeah so. This seems a little more political, though, because oh, you've, it's absolutely got, political. you've got three Democrats in charge of this one right now. But what yep. happens when we don't have a Democrat in charge? We have a Republican in charge who wants to, in very general terms, um, dissuade people from doing public education to more of a private sure, funding it'll, term. It'll do exactly what happens in the legislature whenever those things turn around, too. It'll be, exa- it'll be very much exactly like that, and it'll, it will swing with uh, the political wing— uh, Wins. I think it's potentially a little short-sighted. It might be, but I also think it. But I do also think it puts the power back in the executive, which I think is where it where it should be, as opposed to right now, where it's in particular the charter school, charter school realm. I mean, how, are are there? How are the state board of education members appointed? By fiat. The car. Yeah. You can fit into one. You're on the commission. <laughs> I like Fiat's. They're fun little cars. I do too. I saw one the other day. I saw two the other day, actually, which I hadn't seen in ages. I always imagine the commercials when they parked into this really <laughs> tiny parking spot. Yep. <laughs> so the governor currently doesn't appoint. They're <laughs> off the rails. I think so too. The governor currently does not appoint state board of education members. Is that correct? <laughs> Is that pre-snap or post-snap? I don't know. See, this is one of the things that, that that we'll have to go and find some more information on for the next pod, too, because I honestly don't know the answer to that, too. But I would say this. If the the governor appoints people to the State Board of Education, which I think the governor does um, when terms are up, um, then it should also be the same for the Charter School Commission, Charter School Board. Rather than us doing the research... Let's just say, if you know this and you're listening right now, please tweet at us. Oh, yeah, tweet us at Main Ed Matters. It would save us from remembering to do this research for one. Yeah. Because we'll probably forget. We uh, Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Giving us a it's little almost, credit. It's almost definite. Let's go to, as of right now, the final public hearing that is scheduled, May 15th, and we start off with a cultural affairs one. Woohoo! Well, they do. Yeah, they do. We don't. We don't. We skip that stuff. We are anti-culture. So we're going to start with LD 685, which is an act to amend the laws governing the main school for marine science, technology, transportation, and engineering. And it is hysterically a concept draft. And it says the bill proposes to amend the laws governing the blah. blah, blah. So it, it, that's literally all it says. Not clearly as well thought out as the appointment one, we, or no, the uh, Department of something in early, early learning. Early, early learning. Yeah, early, a early care and learning. concept draft. This right. is barely a six word concept I, draft. I, I, well, their, their concept is the title. <laughs> we the, pretty sure know what we want to talk about. Right. So I, I, I do find it funny that on one of the quote unquote last days of public hearing, this is what they're this is what they chose to push forward. 
There must be a reason behind There's it. There's gotta be. I don't know what it is. So this can't be the last day of public hearings. It, it can't no. be. Let's go to the next one. It's LD721, an act to encourage public participation in school board meetings. Yes, indeed. We've had similar ones to this earlier. Yeah, similar. This, this is this is all about you know making sure that the uh, school boards are engaging with and understanding the public, basically. So the summary of this one, this bill requires school boards to hold public comment periods at the beginning of each school board meeting. So where do you think the main school boards association is going to fall on this? I have a question for you before that one. Okay. Thought they already were required. They are not to hold public comment. Nope. So it's not a requirement. It's a it's it's one of the it's one of those quote unquote courtesies or best practices. Um, but I don't I I'm pretty sure you a a a, a public school board meeting, um, which could include something like an emergency meeting, which could include a workshop, which could include a committee meeting. Um, does not have to include public comment. This would mean that every single committee, which is which is an open school board meeting, would have to allow for public commentary. But it does say in part of the language of law, nothing in this subsection restricts the school board from establishing reasonable standards for the public comment period, including time oh, right. limits and conduct standards. Absolutely. They're, 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 those are there, um, and they can absolutely do that. I mean, I know I, I am... Uh, as we speak, currently a school board member of a district, and one of the things that that we've established in some of the committees is a, a, a time for public commentary. We allow it for all open or our full meetings. There's mm-hmm. time, and if there's a lot of people there, we'll say we got to restrict it to two or three minutes, mm-hmm. um, or we'll say we have this X amount of time. We want to get everything done by, I don't know, six forty-five or seven forty-five yep. or whatever it is. Um, I know some districts also have public commentary at the beginning and at the end. Of meetings. Oh, interesting. Um, so that people can listen and then say say their piece, listen to what happened, and then respond. Um, but there's there's all different kinds of ways it can happen. Yeah, there's time limits for so when you testify up at the state. Right. I mean, if there's a lot of people, yeah, you, you have time limits. Even though immunization is still like it's, it's still still in, going in subsection double Z, and they still have three minute time limits. Right. So eventually, I think every main citizen. Is going to testify. Fingers crossed. That that would be great to have every every single Let's main citizen hold. have, you know, get their say in there. But so I, I MSBA is going to be completely against this. Yeah, which is dumb, to be honest. Well, I think it, I think it's going to it would grind it. It could you grind things to a halt. You know what? Sounds like more work. It does sound like more work. Tough. <laughs> just tough. That's a, that's just come on. I'm not saying I'm opposed to it. No, I know. I'm, simp- I'm like simply, I'm simply, I'm simply saying that uh, the, that the, the, there's a lot of folks who believe that you know, well, the local school board should be in control of what they do, and if they don't want to issue public comment, they don't have to. They, that's right. They should. They absolutely, they absolutely should, but they don't have to. And that's that's one of the arguments that will that will come up. I, I think that will come up. So we're on to the last one of the 15th, which is the public hearing, again, of May 15th. It's LD1700. Before we get to LD1700, can I just say one thing since we're on May 15th? Yes. To my daughter, Isla, happy birthday. Oh, is she a listener? She doesn't know what a podcast is. (laughs) Just like my dad, (laughs) who had his birthday last week. 
doesn't know what a podcast is. We did give the shout out to your dad. We did. She does know what a podcast is. She knows that it does this. And whenever I tell her I'm doing it, she shakes her head and just in shame and walks away. Like embar- embarrassment. She's middle school age. We, we so. get a lot of that. Yeah. We, did, we That we do. That we absolutely do. <laughs> this is LD1700, a resolve. Ooh. We, we, there's potential. Resolve. Mm, disappointing. There's potential. Later. To promote the inclusion of African-American history and culture in the curricular offerings of school administrative units. It's, it's after deadline. It's not an emergency, but it is after deadline. So I think, I think that counts as one of the criteria. But they missed the criteria on a resolve. They did. There's no whereas. None. Disappointing. So this basically uh, directs the DOE with assistance from uh, a bunch of different places. Uh, to collect information, prepare, and make available materials to promote the rationale for adding American his- African-American history and culture, including Maine African-American history and culture, to the curricular offerings of school administrative units. Yep. So they're basically going to get a bunch of people together, try to figure out what to do, and then report back. Right. I think that's fine. I think it's great. It's going to be opposed by many places because you can't mandate curriculum. But this is just a resolve. Uh, uh, but still, the point is, like, we have a process for this one. Yes. Go, the, go follow, do it in the process. Follow the process. Follow the process. Uh, but we've seen sometimes that works, sometimes it does not. And I, and I do also say that I, that I, that our social, especially our, our social studies, hist- oh, this is going to fall under social studies. Yeah. Um, our social studies standards are not, are not really deep in terms of multiculturalism and in terms True. of uh, global culture and histories. So, um we specifically it specifically points out Maine Native American history, but that's really the only thing it specifically points out. Really, I mean, there's some other little little op- opportunities here, but it really doesn't get into it. And I know that there are many schools across the state who the the vast majority of exposure to the social studies is U.S. history, mm-hmm. and in a more globalized, multicultural world, we need to be exposing and, and teaching our kids a real fundamental, foundational approach of w- what's happening outside of just a, a monoculture that we might have here. Mm-hmm. So totally agree. Again, just a resolve. Just a resolve. Figures out what to do, basically. Over the next Meanwhile, year the or resolve's so. going. Just a. What do you mean? Fair point. I'm not just a resolve. This, this, this is a, this is a resolve. That little drop, little drop in the water that creates several ripples. There could be some ripples out of this one that come later on, and I'm looking forward to seeing what those are. Got to say. Okay, that ends May 15th, and maybe ends public hearings for the education committee this year. Probably, probably not. not. Yeah, but but I, I like I said one recently. I would love the fact that if we said that they said you know we we all of these bills that we got through this point, we chose you Pikachu. You rest of you, we'll see you later. We'll get to you later. At least that's a sort of updated pop, pop culture reference. Ish. There's a movie out now. That's about, why. Ryan Reynolds, aka Deadpool. Could make for a better Pikachu movie. <laughs> it would be funny. Deadpool's in it. That that would be something. All right. Anyway, follow I, us on I Twitter. Think we're done. <laughs> I think we're done. Follow us on Twitter at Main Ed Matters on Facebook. Main Education Matters. Follow along with our spreadsheet that has a list of all of the bills that are up there that are going through that have been either on the committee, in the House, in the Senate, or gone enacted through the governor. And while you're out there. Give us a rate and review on iTunes. It helps us out and it makes us feel good about ourselves for at least a little bit of the day. And make sure while you're listening, go out and buy some spicy dill pickle chips. Spicy, spicy dill pickle chips. Get you through the day. Bye. Bye.